episode 338 got it right this week of the bitcoin podcast yeah i remember some of our other do you remember like yeah oh dude that was that might be still my favorite intro music it was so smooth That was good. And then, yeah, like, welcome to the Bitcoin podcast. We got all these songs now. We need to get another one. Jesse, the the intro was awesome. We have some solid intro. He's like, where'd you get that? I was like, I asked the dude on Twitter who I I like a lot. And he said, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to try the same thing. I'm going to try to see if I can get Daft Punk. Oh, you were the shoot high, man. I went went for like (laughs) a a newer artist that I like a lot. Yeah, they're gonna be like, I'll charge you fifty thousand dollars for five seconds of Daft Punk. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Fuck you guys. Crypto prices, go for it. Yeah. Oh so, anyways, God. so welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, everyone. If this is your first time listening, then congratulations to you. Your life's about to change. Um, I'm the host that talks first, D. I am the host that talks second, Dr. Corey Petty. And I'm the host that is right after the second one that contemplates things sometimes unnecessarily, Jesse. There you go. We've been, we've been, um, we've been like having a, a deep philosophical argument for like a, an hour while we waited for D to get home from work before this episode. Yeah. The, uh, the and it has not been money. resolved. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, I got in on a little bit of that. Is the, the, the ethics of what did you call the ethics of money? The ethics of money, like there's a there's a certain there's a certain way that making money tastes right in in terms of like or how it feels. I guess it's just better, right? How it feels. If you make your money from doing from selling drugs, right, you probably feel a certain way, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's some sort of like cognitive dissonance internally that you rationalize through intellectualization, where you're like. I had to do it for my family as I have kids and it doesn't matter if I have to, you know, there's something, a higher moral goal that I can break the law that it makes sense. Or I can, you know, flex, I can, I can make things a little bit more flexible in my mind in terms, in terms of the ethics and how I go up the social ladder or economic ladder or whatever. Right. And I feel like we were talking about dumping on people who are buying the top of the market. If, you know, if this is the top, right. That's an assumption um in the short term right um but if it is if we're correct do you feel any different do you feel bad do you feel good that's what we were talking about Hmm. if i had to vote i feel no things no nothing because you do Um, i'll argue with that if you want to keep going what do you mean like selling right now take all right more generally 
Um, okay. Making money when you know you're taking advantage of someone else. Oh, well, that's different. Yeah. I, is it? I feel, is it? I'd feel bad. That's what we're trying to figure out. If it is different or if you're just thinking oh. that there are extra degrees of separation. Or, or the buyer know the determine know what's going to happen with that token that they put up for buy or for sell. They don't know its future. Every both both parties are taking an equal risk at that point in time. It's a very small sliver of time. One yeah, thing say you had say you had at any given point. So this is this is like an information game, right? So there's there most of the time in um we'll say zero sum game markets. Meaning that if I win, you lose, or if I win, someone loses. Mm-hmm. Um, those who win typically have some uh, asymmetry of information. They know something no one else does, or they have yeah. more information in such a way where they're able to make better decisions, which then grants them money, or they're lucky, which sometimes happens too. But more often than not, it's because people have an, uh, more information to make better decisions uh, to to make money at the cost of other people losing. That's kind of like the economics of zero-sum games, which is what most markets are made of, like how price discovery is made. And so mm-hmm. the actual price is kind of an equilibrium of uh, stability is an equilibrium of there isn't that much asymmetry of information you can take advantage of. That's a way of looking at that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the event that there's wild speculation, Cryptocurrency markets are very volatile. More often than not, people who are selling at the top with large amounts of money with enough money that sway and drop the print, tank the price, uh, have some information, meaning that they know what they're going to do will probably influence the price in such a way where other people are going to lose. Do they feel bad, bad about it or should they? No. Hold on. First, was that a, was that a reasonable summary of your of, of of what you're talking about jesse i think we need to add in the factor of just because you know you have a certain weight to it does that mean you still like there's a threshold of weight if it means more you do good or if it means less you can do bad i think that you should do you should aim to try to do good by people regardless of your weight and i think that you were arguing that corey it's only bad. It's only significantly bad when you have a lot of weight, i.e. Charlie Lee dumping Litecoin. All like right, he so had a lot of Litecoin. There's a little more nuance to that. Um, okay. That's a, that's a part of that. What I'm saying is it's, yes, if you understand you're going to sway a market, you, you should always try to do good. But what does that mean? You should try to do good across a bunch of different factors um, that need to be weighed against each other. So... In the event that I make a decision where I'm going to sell at the top when I think it's ridiculous mm-hmm. and the price isn't warranted, I'm yeah. doing that because I think it's going to put me in a position to live my life in such a way where I can do much better. I'm not encumbered by barriers that I currently have so that I can continue to do the things that I think are good for this industry. And that's so that goes to my point where you inherently think what you're going to do is better than what everybody else is doing, regardless of how much money they're making or losing or whatever, right? So you think that selling at a peak is okay. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm neutral to this. I'm just exploring this argument, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but selling at a peak means that I don't know whether your argument is an intellectualization, which is like you experience a cognitive dissonance and you are somehow rationalizing it in, a, in using lines of logic that make sense to some degree or, or even fully make sense. But there's an inherent sense of loss. You are, you have too many degrees of separation separating you from, for example, the guy who's buying at, you know, way high prices, who knows if that's his like mortgage and he's going to lose a lot. So there's, there's enough degrees of separation between you and, an, and the anonymity that an exchange provides you where you don't know this guy. You don't need to know this guy. You just know that you're making a lot of money and that money gives you the ability to now choose to do good with the time that you've essentially bought back. Cause really all we're doing is buying back our time. That's what mm -hmm. money is. Yeah. So well, yes, I agree with that. There's, there's a very good chance that my perspective of doing good or others, whether as, as they make the same rationalization, isn't actually doing anything. Mm. Um, but what could I do to try and evaluate that? Um, or help that there's, and that, so first off I can see how much am I going to move the market? If I sell this money and make, make and, and significantly change my life for the, for what I consider the better, mm -hmm. what impact is that going to have on the market? Uh, so far zero in my perspective, in, in, in my current position. So I'm not a relatively large mover of this market. So I have no influence here. It's going to happen regardless of whatever I do. So if for my personal position, it behooves me to, to, to do this. If I feel as though that puts me in a significantly better position in my life, the way I, the way I view it. it, it removes negative impact on the way I live my life. Maybe that's, that's the argument is it removes enough fear and insecurity associated with you not owning enough of your time back that you feel like there's a weight though. There's a weight though. If I was going to move the market and I felt negative about that, like I, I was making a bunch of negative impact on people's lives, I wouldn't do yeah. it. But there's, but there's also these other things, right? So you have a weight. What else I could see. I do? So there's a weighted good or bad. It's, it's always going to be weighted across all things, but there's also things that I could do in the event that I do sell, I'm going to tell everybody about it. I have a podcast where I can shout it from the mountaintops. Yeah. And this is the reason why I'm doing it. And if you feel as though this reasoning is valid, maybe you should do it too. Or tell me why I'm wrong. And, and so like I, I've built a platform in which I can also tell people the decisions I'm making so that if it does the same thing for them, they can do it. And I try to like release, like give out that information as much as possible. And I try to continuously evaluate what I'm doing with, with that, with that new time that I bought back that puts me in what I think is a good situation. And I, and I check with other people to see if like, is what I'm trying to do with my life good? It's like, the, I'm trying to be useful and empower people to do useful things. I don't see how that can be a bad thing. I think it all has to, I think if you boil this whole conversation down with making money and how you make money and the taste of it, I think it all has to do with intent. Forget about the weight, right? Because I, 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 I don't know if I personally weight. agree with the weight. No, no, because because um, it has to do with. I think it has to do with intent. Like if if I if I, I and I gave this explanation earlier, um, 
if I'm telling you a lie, right? If I say that the sun is bright outside and it's actually dark outside and my intent is for you not to go outside because I want to enjoy the sunshine or I want to enjoy the darkness all to myself, right? For whatever reason, that's, that's my motivating reason for telling you that it's bright outside. Uh, whereas somebody who is, let's say, um, blind and can't tell if it's bright or not bright, even though we know, we know there's a factor of heat, forget about that. Um, they go outside and oh, they, they don't know whether, whether it's bright or dark, but they just tell you, yeah, this is a terrible example. I should have gone with the flat earth example. <laughs> it was way better. Anyway, what I'm getting at is, uh, the intent behind <laughs> something matters more than somebody who's misinforming you because of their own ignorance. So if I tell you the earth yeah. is flat and, and I believe the earth is flat, that's not a lie. That's, that's, that's just that person's, that's my own ignorance. If I believe the earth was flat because the earth is actually round. Right? Isn't that a legal thing though? Like, don't you have to prove intent with certain things in court? I believe so. That might be. Yeah, I mean, intent is pretty powerful. Yeah, but so, there's so, there's a weight. There's a there's I, again, definitely I, you have you know, there there is a weight one hundred percent because there there has to be a weight depending on the perspective that you take in psychology. For instance, the the if your if your wife is dying and some guy is selling you a drug for more money than you have in your pocket, he's selling it to you for a hundred million dollars and all you have is like 10 million, right? And he won't give it the drug to you in installments for 10 million, even though you tell him you'll work for him the rest of your life. And so what you do is you steal the drug, right? For your wife, because you hold the law at a lower standard than the ethics be behind saving your wife's life, because she matters to you more than the law and breaking it has no, has no regard. Like you don't, you don't consider that. And so that's the, in my mind, like, you know, let's, let's go back to the rapper example. You sell drugs to make your album and your album hit goes big and you don't need to sell drugs anymore. There was a point at which you knew you were selling drugs to fund something that might be bigger and better later on. That was in terms of morality, more, eth more on the side of good. Right. But you had to go through bad. You knew you were doing bad. You were breaking the law and you were doing bad things. To harm your community well, to let's get to that this point. back to crypto because I don't want any audience members to get lost. Yeah, I was, I was about to do that. I was yeah, uh, yeah. I, had, I had something to go from here. So did you, did so, you have something, D? Yeah, I was just gonna say all of these things are like in no way I I, I feel your analogies, Jesse, but I don't think they can relate to crypto. I don't I don't think these analogies relate to the crypto and the and the uh, the dynamics of markets, especially Why? one as as free as cryptocurrency no they the do i think they do yeah they do and uh, this is why um what so like we've talked about this in the past and um it this is i think this is what plays into this and it may add kind of like i'm curious how, how you how you, how you like think about what you're talking about from here so in any given crypto market as it currently stands um you have value derived from utility mm -hmm. uh, which gives you kind of a, a baseline for what the price has to be in order to do that utility and so you have use and so you have like based on that's and that's and that's real supply and demand like i need like there are a group of people who want to do this thing this token does this thing and this is the price for doing it based on how many people are doing this thing you have price discovery through pure utility of whatever that thing is doing. Then you have 
speculation, which is a which is a price discovery from potential future utility, which is very volatile. And that mm-hmm. is what is that's where all the volatility lives. And so you have like zero price discovery on top of that, and then speculation that just goes rampant based on that. Because utility kind of you, you you can make really good assumptions on how utility grows, and then the underlying price discovery associated with that growth. You like look at look at Bitcoin. Wait, I'm not done. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> like you, you can't look at. It's very difficult to look at and 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 figure out and make models on price discovery based on sentiment and and uh, speculation. And in crypto, most of the value or most of the price movement comes from speculation. And what you, what your problem is seems to be is that when people when when people like me or you come to the conclusion that the speculative price is so high, it doesn't rationalize the utility and people take value from that, they're doing a negatively net a bad thing. I and think there's shouldn't. layers. Exactly. I agree. You think they shouldn't because they're taking advantage of other people's ignorance. So, so when, when, you, when we talk about the speculative layer of value that an asset has, there are certain layers to that speculative value. I agree looking forward, you know, maybe a certain amount of time, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, right? But if the price exceeds its utility and speculative value that makes that, that is within reason, right? I believe that the risk from a risk standpoint, forget, uh, no, let's, let's keep, keep to the morals. I think, I think it's morally, there's something morally dubious about selling 10 X speculative value. Like let's say utility is 10,000 speculative well, yeah. value is another 20,000. So let's so, say it's 30,000. Now if somebody's paying 300,000 for something that's 30,000 and you sell into that, that's dubious, morally dubious to me. But there's systems in place to relieve some of the dubious nature of markets because markets can be if you leave humans up to no good, they're gonna do no good. There's a whole song about it, don't you know no good? It's a good song. But that's why there's mechanisms in place. And that's why the more and the shittier and shittier and more risky a stock or a, a token or whatever it is, the more risk is involved with playing in those markets. Like, for example, if you're a blue chip stock doing blue chip stock things, you have certain requirements that you have to do. You have to meet revenue thresholds. You have to meet profit thresholds. You have to you have to report on a quarterly basis. You've got to have third party company after third party company assess the accuracy of your books. And even those get baked. You've got to put out um, what's that big ass? Is it an operandum or whatever that big thick ass book that you get sent? So on E-Trade, if you ever fuck around and buy a blue chick stop like I did one time, every quarter they send you a book that's like this fucking thick that you're required as a stock owner to read through all the shit that company's done in that quarter. And it's like, what the fuck? This is a lot, right? This is a lot of shit. Who would spend this much time being dubious, putting in this much work? Real investors. Yeah, it is a lot of fucking shit. So, you know, it's like uh, a prospectus. Prospectus is what it's called, right? They send one out every year. They send one out every quarter, depending on how good the company is. Um, I think that, like, there's mechanisms in place to kind of try and, and um, I don't know, levy all the dubious nature of humanity. And that's why I think, like, there's nothing more at all about it. 
I, I think it's just a mechanism for like if one person wants to sell something and another person wants to buy it, that is what it is. D, that's not true. That's not true. I, I, I know you don't feel that way. Here's why. We don't and have never done shitty sponsorships on this podcast. Oh, that's true. I, that's why I'm saying these analogies don't fit because I don't understand what the hell you are trying to talk about. I'm like, he's what? talking about like what? how you work in a market when you make like how do you make money ethically? Now, oh. if you're like the things bad things happen to people that take advantage of markets. We talked about that when I was driving on the way before. Like that the Wolf on Wall Street guy was selling pink sheets and fake stocks to people and shitty stocks to people, and he got his just desserts. Or Enron, they got their just that's, desserts. That's the just world bias. That's a thing like that. You believe that people who do bad, well, basically karma, essentially. I'd say, I'd say the the extreme examples get caught. The majority of people who do bad do not get caught. Yeah, I I would say the worse bad you do, the more likely it is you get caught. I think I think Corey's right. I think we we don't sponsor things that are dumb or we don't get sponsored by don't we don't feel are making a positive impact on 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 the ecosystem yeah let me take a moment to let here's the thing you have to make that judgment you have to make that judgment and so like and everyone has to try and make a judgment based on all the factors in their life on how do i make my life the best i can while trying to hopefully if you're a good person you're trying to do good things how do i how do i allow myself to do more good things. And sometimes, in my opinion, that means taking profits when I know someone's going to lose. But I do that only in the context of my participation in this is is negligent. I mean, not negligent. Is is uh what's the word I'm looking for? Irrelevant. Like my my influence on that market doesn't make a difference. But arguably on, on like Arguably, I like Alicia using. said something. Go ahead. Uh, so, arguably, like you know, whoever, um, if you're if you're scamming people in the millions, you could say that oh, there's trillions of dollars out in the world. What's a million dollars? Well, I don't participate in scams, so. I like, guess what, what I'm, I'm getting at is like the scale, right? The, it's mm. irrelevant scamming I'll, somebody. I'll a never buy X. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'll never buy. If you like if, to consider the weight then consider the weight of the people of the of the amount of money that the percentage of the portfolio that people are buying the top in that you're dumping on but you can't because there's a degree of separation of anonymity that you don't know if that's if that's their house money if that's their mortgage you don't know that you could what are very you do well about be that? dumping on that what are you going to do about that that's exactly what it is so you i, I think you have to chalk it up to what are you going to do about that? Like, I, what can you do about that? I'm trying to build better markets. <laughs> no, what I mean is like, I can't know that I'm dumping on some dude who's like broke and he's just going to be even more broke. But does that stop me from feeling bad thinking that that could be a possibility? No, absolutely no, not. No, not at all. Now, if yeah. I knew I was dumping on someone that was broke and they were buying into a hope and a prayer, and yeah. I knew that there was no hope and no pray strong, no prayer strong enough to make that thing more valuable that I was selling them. Then of course I feel bad, but that's thievery. That's fraud. That's 
those are things that we've got systems in place. Oh, there's no cool. protection for people in crypto. Not like that. Like it's like yeah, but we, we also place. spend a lot of our time trying Not, to yeah. warn people to make good decisions about how they how how yeah. they dip their toes into this market. At no sure. point have we tried to push a shit coin. We yeah. only said like you know, invest what's you're capable of investing. But we proselytize the concept of HODL plus where if it makes significant positive impact in your life, sell, don't be greedy. Like which which it might be, right? It might be that time people yeah, who are listening. It could be a time right now to do those things. <laughs> and I think I think this is like it's it comes back to, you know, we 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 try not to sell you guys crap, you know, at the end of the day. Like we try and like get you guys to understand that we are we we are excited about the profits that crypto brings, but at the same time, we try to I think Jesse just froze. Jesse just froze right in the oh. middle of like right in the deep part. Oh no. And we so, try to So we try we try to be genuine people and not like liquidate at like yeah. on and dump on we're, we're not trying to like steal the 20 out of the homeless person's hand. Like that in half baked when he stole money out of the homeless guy's cup <laughs> so he could finish his date. Now where's Arguably, the, I think it was for the that, greater Jesse. good because he got some booty. Yeah. I got some mood. <laughs> yeah, it was real nice too. No, um, I think I think it's good we have these conversations so that people know that we are considering yeah. these things when we well, are people should in the think about this. Like I, I, feel, I think it's a good thing to think about because, like I said, absolutely. like you need to make that you need to make that judgment. Like you have to, you only have your facilities at your at, at your own disposal, right? So, like, right. you need to try, in my opinion, try and make decisions that are for your local good you didn't try to max like and, and it, this is why people live their life in my opinion it's, it's really hard for me to describe this concept but at any given point in someone's life they're simultaneously trying to maximize their individual life while minimizing the amount of harm that they do to everything else um that makes sense and and you could maybe spread across like they're trying to maximize the good for themselves and their and their like closest ones, the friends and like closest friends and family. Because sometimes you do harm to yourself, so that it's a, it's a much better good to those to those you care about. But you only make those decisions in such a circumstance where you're minimizing the amount of harm you're doing to others, or you're justifying that in some way. And so, like, especially in zero-sum game markets where those who win means someone else is losing, you should be thinking about who's losing and how much of an impact your winning has on them. And and you think about crypto in general, the in my opinion, the whole goal of this is to reduce the, the difference between the few that have overwhelmingly tremendous power to make impact on others and those who have no no power whatsoever. And so like it's 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 making it more important that people make those decisions because they're going to end up having more power. And they're not going to and they're not going to be in situations hopefully if all this works out where everyone everyone else's decisions impact their lives. Do you guys know That's, who Jadina is? Not a clue. Mm -mm, no. You've heard the song. I'm a classic man. You're gonna have you to be better than me. that. You never heard "Classic Man." I think I've heard that. Yeah. Oh boy. Anyways, Jaden is from Africa. 
and he's got this intermission or an interlude or a skit on one of his albums where his dad's talking to him and his dad gives him like an old African proverb and he's like, Jidina, you see a small man, he builds a circle around himself and then a bigger man builds a circle around himself and his family. But the biggest man builds a circle around himself and his community. And I was like, that's some good shit. <laughs> that's that's that is some good shit. And so I kind of think that's what you guys are trying to say. I'm trying yeah, to that's why we're here. That's why we're yeah. here. That's why yeah. I'm here. Yeah, right. I agree. Well, let me t- let me turn to the interview here. And then we'll come back and we'll talk. We'll do a little hashing it out segment, Corey. It's your time to shine, baby. Oh, is it? You, nice. you fucking, you fucking ready? Oh yeah, I got. It. I don't have a lot of time, but I can tell you what we talked about. All right. Uh, so we had an interview. Shit was dank. Uh, gentleman's name was Tim Frost, the CEO of Yield App, and uh, what they're trying to do uh, into. Uh, into decentralized finance, which um, if you don't know what decentralized finance is, let me give you a quick definition. It is finance that is decentralized. I knew that was coming. So, so. <laughs> oh, my God. What? I mean, there's no better way to describe it than that. Uh, so without really. further ado, <laughs> here's Tim Frost, uh, former professional basketball player turned CEO. Uh, here it is. Hey, everybody. It's another one of our interviews, the Bitcoin podcast interviews. Uh, you're not going to hear interviews like our interviews anywhere else in the crypto podcast sphere. Am I right, Jesse? Hell yeah. Damn straight. Anyways, we're going to get started today. We have a guest, uh, the CEO of the Yield app, Mr. Tim Frost. Uh, he's going to teach us all how to be DeFi DGENs uh, by the end of this conversation. And uh, we're going to be yellow. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Mr. Frost, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, let, we'll keep it we'll keep it real uh, regular here like we usually do. And that is, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and then how that background intersected with with crypto intersected with with this wild shit we all love well before i guess before crypto so i'll kind of take a i guess a couple steps back it's been a while now so i'm i'm uh well i had kind of a interesting kind of i guess um entry into crypto uh like most people i probably entered just being interested uh interested in um well, making some money and finding out what, what was going on and, and during a, a middle of a kind of a bull run. But um, uh, before that, I didn't really have any qualifications. I, you know, I had a, a bachelor, uh, bachelor's in uh, economics. I was in the process of a uh, MBA um, out in Estonia, and I had just finished up a, a 10-year professional basketball career, actually. So um, I kind of, when I finished up that, I... Well, I got into crypto, uh, just looking looking to make some extra money. Um, I, I'd seen some Bitcoin was uh, on a, a nice little run. There was things like Dogecoin now that was kind of popping up on the screen, which uh, I guess has brought new people on the screen kind of recently. 
when I started kind of learning what was happening, um, I, I started doing a, a little bit of, uh, you know, trading up to the side. Um, I actually started on eBay kind of early on. I figured out how to kind of sell coins at a extreme markup and, and not get chargebacks. I had my little kind of methodology. And then I guess how I came to kind of work in the space was um, one day, uh, one of my clients that I was selling coins to asked me, hey, can you get me some uh, something called Marine Coin? I said, well, of course I can. And then I spent the next hour trying to figure out what Marine Coin was and, and who to get in contact there. And, uh, absolutely. Every day. And, uh, Marine Coin. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, two hours later, I was uh, running social media accounts for for this uh, this coin I'd never heard of a few hours before. So that was kind of how I, I got into it. Uh, just started uh, solving problems. And uh, I've yeah, no. From from there, I started uh, getting into kind of PR, um, solving problems again. I, I kind of built a, a PR firm from kind of scratch, just because everyone wanted press. And um, uh, from then, I, I started kind of building up until I really get into uh, fintech, uh, which I, I joined a, a group that became Wirex, uh, which now has three and a half million clients. It's the largest crypto card company in the world, uh, the UK, with, and um, from there, I guess I, I've just kept building early, early stage fintech startups. Um, from from that point on, kind of just kind of really kind of fell into it and just kind of built a, a skill set out from there. Mm. So, what's the yield at? What the, it's like, there's a it's from that description, it seems like you find a need, you find a way to serve it. What is the yield app, and how does it fit into that 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 like similar story? It seems. Yeah. So. I guess over, over the last years, I mean, I've done a, a lot of work in the, the digital banking space, and um, there's always been uh, one one common theme of, of why why would you keep your capital with a kind of a, a neo bank or a digital banking kind of infrastructure? Um, with with Wirex, people just simply you know left money there, their crypto there. They were probably more looking at just holding, um, probably more speculation. But there wasn't a real reason to kind of keep capital there kind of long term. <clears throat> at the same time, when I when I well, I guess about last March, I with one of our co-founders here, I kind of went down that DeFi kind of rabbit hole. He started up a, a friends and family kind of DeFi fund. And I, I just started to kind of understand what was happening over there. And then it started to really feel different than, than um, kind of previous kind of runs and, and kind of hype cycles in, in the crypto world and seeing that these returns were, were kind of based on on something right and um, obviously they they are constantly going up and down and it's nothing it, it's still really evolving and shaping out as we speak but um, we what we kind of realized was there is a extremely complicated new Kind of financial ecosystem that was that was real it was governed by smart contracts um and there was it was going to just grow of people that wanted to get into this this access especially in a, a world full of like negative interest rates and, and so much market uncertainty so we wanted to a very simple mission of, of helping to bridge the gap from kind of people that wanted access to decentralized finance to the to a safe way of actually investing into um, this decentralized finance. So that's what we've built. On the front end, it's we're building out a kind of what you'd like to see at a, a digital bank or a kind of wealth management application. You 
simply put the money onto the application, um, just a few buttons that you need to click. And, you know, you earn steady, steady uh, returns that are powered by decentralized finance. And, and the back end is, is all kind of the, the um, intellect that it's really been built out. It's just really understanding the, the different protocols from, from like really that, that deep level that our, our tech team has kind of built out and has continued to kind of evolve from here. So I'm just really trying to obfuscate all the, uh, the complexity of actually what is what is DeFi, but still kind of be able to participate in it. Mm. Okay. Um, I would say like, arguably you got a lot of competition in the DeFi space. Um, what exactly does yield do a little different, like to make it simpler, make it easier? I know you have your token and the platform, and quite honestly, I have people ask me now, well, the same people four years ago that are asking me, like, what's Bitcoin are now the people that are asking me, what's DeFi? And so it's just like they've evolved with me as I've been in the space and they're trying to get into it. And they're asking me questions about usability. They don't know why they have to pay all these fees. They don't uh, all the all the gas fees. They don't know. um they just don't know what the hell they're doing. So like what makes yield app a little bit easier for the user to just like, you know, send money there. Okay. I've got some ether there. Or I've got some, uh, you know, USDC or USDT. Okay. What are my next steps? Like what makes you stand out? Yeah. So we're, well, uh, simply we're trying to make it much, no much more than this, just what you just kind of said. You, you know, once you have your stable coin, uh, you, we put it onto our platform after you kind of create an account, um, whether that's a hundred dollars or, you know, you know 10, 10,000 plus, um, you can just put the money with us, uh, click invest. And essentially from that point on, you know, we, we take care of your, your kind of investment strategy on our side. Um, so we had a few different strategies that our, our initial portfolio is kind of built around. Um, there, there's all sorts of people who want to participate always in a new kind of financial ecosystem. Uh, people that want to get involved at a, a protocol layer and that they have uh, enough capital to work with. So if you want to directly go in, in I, I guess, to the different protocols and, and do your own yield farming, you're, I mean, you're always welcome. And we, we actually welcome people to that. And, you know, we anticipate a lot of our clients will kind of eventually move on towards full-fledged uh, kind of degens, right? But the majority of people, they don't, they don't want to know how this is going to work. Um, they, they're, they're scared of it and they're just, there's so much uncertainty. So I mean, let's say we, we're just trying to make it very simple because of all the complexity of everything that that's happening kind of behind the scene and all the, you know, that we have like 24 seven monitoring of all the networks. We have automatic triggers, you know, put in place of everything. You know, we get a full team that 24 seven, that's, that's all we do is, is kind of manage the network, know everything that's happening. And, you know, ultimately just to be able to provide a, you know, pass those returns onto our clients. As this ecosystem evolves, um, you have myriad of, innovation and, and how these different protocols interact with each other. Um, you have different stable tokens that then spawn other things in which you can invest in other stuff and the returns on all these is quite volatile. How are you doing the decision-making of how to invest your client's money? Um, 
into these like open sea of options that you have with DeFi as, and it's going to continue to grow even faster. Like what are you doing to um, evaluate what's secure um, and, and, and has the right amount of liquidity based on what your, what your clients are trying to provide? Yeah, most of it revolves around uh, it's time tested. So there's, you know, while DeFi is a kind of more new term, um, there, there have been people kind of working on things for years, uh, whether that's Curve or Aave, Compound, kind of, et cetera. So um, there, there's kind of a rigorous checklist. So we, we're running this like we would like a, or like a traditional kind of managed fund. So there's a, I mean, we have an entire long list of our requirements anything has to hit before it's even up for consideration for fraction investment. So um, not, something has to be time tested. So there's nothing that is, is just new. So the, the newest, hottest thing that just pops on the radar, it is, it is too, um, I guess, premature for, for us. And that's kind of where we kind of draw the line, why we are following everything. And our, our team kind of is understanding and watching everything very closely. Um, and they may have their own capital kind of, you know, into some of these things. So they're, you know, they will be watching this intently just, you know, at, at this stage and what we see kind of moving forward, there, there is enough, there is now enough liquidity um, that we can, you know, be able to uh, deploy uh, tens and, and hundreds of millions of dollars into kind of our, our kind of current strategy that we've built out. So we have our internal uh, DD that's done on the technical side. We work with uh, kind of different smart contract auditing firms. Um, we, you know, we do all the, the business intelligence, you know, of some of these things that have been uh, kind of recent uh, problems with, with other exploits, I guess, over the over the previous months. So I said it's a it's quite a, a kind of thorough process. And, you know, at the moment, there's only a, a few different um, different protocols that we actually um, are kind of working on uh, today. How uh, how easy is it for me to go from zero to DGen on your app? I still say YOLO. I'm one of those people. So like I, you know, I I, I want to go full on high risk, let it ride, Lambo or bust. Can I do that? Will, will you leverage? No, you. It's not. It's not. <laughs> no. Not what happens with it. No. So it's not. I mean, that's kind of what we we've taken out of the equation. I mean, like if you if you want to learn about it, right? You can come on. You know, we produce a lot of materials, but no, we we are providing very steady, high yielding accounts. You know, where this is, if you want your your Lambo, you know, you you better start with Porsche money um, for for the first year, right? So it's if you listen, if you, if people want to gamble. This is, we're not. This is not where we're at, right? So there, there's, you can go directly into the the new the new hottest trends um, that are out there and and um, go into those blindly, where that are offering the the forty thousand percent APYs, right? So there there is a, I said there there is a market, and that's why DeFi overall is so big, and that's so I think DeFi overall. I mean, there's it covers so many many kind of areas, and um, I think we are. I'd say we're we're offering our clients um, up to twenty percent APY. Um, so for I guess for uh, traditional markets, I, I think that is that that is um, very strong returns, and they're they're very happy to kind of put capital with us. Mm -hmm. um, but for the for the the newer 
um, Wall Street bet generation and the, um, you know, the, the, the Dogecoin community, like, no, that's where, you know, they're, they're going to be looking for probably more, more exciting opportunities. So it's about, I like you know, with us. yeah, I like that. And I feel educated because I didn't know a Porsche was lower than a Lambo. I didn't know you got to have <laughs> Porsche money to get to Lambo. So I have a lot of steps to get to, I see, but, uh, if you're if you're trying to YOLO in the DeFi, the yield app is not the place to do it. But who wouldn't be happy with twenty percent returns? Is my opinion. I don't know. I don't know anyone who wouldn't. So, anyways, I'll stop talking. I'll leave the floor to one of you guys. Well, I got questions for days. So, Jesse, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll let so, you go ahead. So, question: um, How do you guys get the? I, th I think I saw like twelve to twenty percent returns. Like, how do you guys establish twelve percent as your baseline return? Are you using like a uh, proof of stake uh, tokens? Like, like where are you pulling that from? Yeah, so there, we we have a, a few different positions, but uh, the primary uh, that we're working on right now is on on Curve, and so our team is really kind of built our initial strategies uh, around Curve. Are you got Curve.fi if you guys aren't familiar? Um, we've seen this is it's kind of been battle tested. There's there's hundreds of Oh, there's billions of dollars kind of locked up in, in liquidity on this. Um, we've we've just seen this as the safest, um, highest yielding kind of place to to be able to actually deploy capital at the moment. So, you know, while we do have other strategies um, that have been uh, kind of ring fenced and, and kind of built out, this is where we kind of see where at least where it's been for the last month and, and kind of going forward where majority of our strategies um, taking place. So I got this correct. You basically have come to the conclusion that decentralized finance is a thing. It's going to be a thing for a while. And there's a lot of volatility associated with it, with kind of, um, we'll call it like the bleeding edge as the circle grows. So like most of the volatility lies within like that boundary of the circle as it continues to grow and grow and grow. And what you're trying to do at yield at is stay kind of in the center of that DeFi circle of the more stable, uh, robust things, which don't offer like the absorbent, uh, potential profits that you don't get pickle rates. Yeah. Um, yeah. but also like you're, 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 you're trying to drastically simplify the experience of like, I put money in DeFi and I get reasonable gains, especially when compared to traditional finance. Is that a good like summary of what you're trying to do? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're we're building something that you know we we see as a, a industry that's just going to continue to grow over the over the coming years, and uh, well, we'll we'll see where this ultimately goes. But we we see this as quite sustainable. Um, so so yes, yeah, so to kind of answer your question, that's basically their, our exact strategy of, of what we're kind of building on right now. Um, we as I said it's we don't put our capital any anywhere that we wouldn't feel. I'm very comfortable that our own capital isn't deployed at the same places. And, you know, we can um, comfortably leave these things long term. I'm curious, like the level of control that you have, because uh, you always have that underlying ideology within the cryptocurrency community of like your keys, your crypto. Uh, it seems as though, uh, based on how you've explained things so far, is that you have quite a bit of control over the capital that people put into your platform. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, well, we do. I mean, we are we're building this as, as like a, a fintech. So as to be able to manage your capital, um, we, we do need 
uh, we do need to be able to manage the, the keys to it. So, um, so right now, I mean, our, our kind of business, what we're doing is it's a high growth uh, fintech that we're kind of building. Uh, we have like the first 2,000 users in, in beta on, and those you know users are, are coming on every day, um, putting their stable coins uh, with us, with our, our first fund. And we handle those um, and, and be able to batch transact with, with those. And so that's part of what we can do is uh, the power of the kind of bulk investments, um, we can mitigate the, the the current exorbitant kind of gas fees that, that are happening. So, um, so much like you would be at a, a Binance or a, a Paxful or Coinbase, right? When you are kind of on our platform, yes, we we do handle it. So at the same time, we we do handle the security um, aspects of, of everything, and that is kind of all on our side. Um, but you know, there. Well, I, I'm my feeling is that is there's obviously there's the two the two ways that everything is evolving right you have the the not my keys not my crypto uh, crowd and we have the people that ask you know what are keys i don't understand what how would i throw this <laughs> yes very much so. and so so we're yeah we're you know our clientele are they're not the dgens uh they're not the people that are you know that that do want access because there are direct access to to DeFi, and especially if you have a large sums and a lot amount of time to really understand what, what's happening and to kind of manage your own assets i said that you you will probably go um directly and um we are probably going into very very similar things but we you know, to, to kind of bridge this gap with the the, the average people um that's kind of where we continue to focus on I saw like the obvious question that I think, especially any of our audience is going to offer, ask is uh, why. You've already said that, like, yeah, you've made it easy, but there's always this trust factor. And I saw on the website that you offer insurance of some sort. Can you talk about like how that plays into um, why someone would trust their money with you? Yeah. So the insurance aspect is well, overall, in, in decentralized finance, is still a, a very complicated build out. So there's there's two. We, we use BitGo wallets. So um, any any wallets on the platform are um, are insured by by BitGo's and insurance policy. Um, so we're actually working with all the various um, startup decentralized finance and insurance protocols that, that are coming out and we're we're still in the process of of that development. And we're we're you know we're trying to be in constant contact with our, our community about this and with in our terms and conditions. Like that's that's the direction that we are ultimately uh, looking to move. But it's, it is a, I guess it's a, a radically evolving space because um, I, I don't know if how familiar you guys are with like these different kind of decentralized um, and insurance options. Why I think it is is very fascinating. It is still yet to be uh, truly kind of tested, and so um, that's the um, the entire way of where we are building um to to get to but um mm. you know insurance on blockchain failure to figure out if that works insurance on the blockchain insurance. very new so like, yeah yes very you guys, experimental so, yeah. you guys both talked over each other at the same time two yeah. times in a row no we're saying the same thing it's fine uh, okay so uh are you familiar <laughs> with south park uh tim yes like the car That's all right awesome, awesome. okay <laughs> Um, so I learned something from South Park and that's that every great CEO has to have an I'm sorry speech prepared. And I learned this on an episode 
where they had the BP CEO apologizing to everyone for oil spills that they did all over the planet. It was a great episode. I think you know which one I'm talking about because you're laughing. <laughs> so as CEO of YieldApp, what would have you have to apologize to your users and then have you prepared your I'm sorry speech? That's a no, that's a no, I haven't I haven't actually seen the episode. Um, okay. but that's um well South Park always always makes it entertaining. So my well, what would happen in and I'm sorry. I mean well, So uh, basically what are the things what are the risks that people take with using your app? There's risks to everything. Well, there's right? so there okay, there are there are a few scenarios. And I, I think this kind of goes to to crypto overall. Um you know, there's we're we're all kind of well, I, everyone has their own kind of perspective. What's going to happen with with Tether, right? And the fact is, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen oh, with, with yeah. Tether. Um, we allow Tether deposits on, onto our platform, and um, it's a, a major part of the DeFi ecosystem and the crypto ecosystem at all mm -hmm. and overall. So, um, so there would be definitely an I'm I'm sorry scenario if if you know there's a catastrophic blowout with 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 tether but i think that we all have uh, a lot of problems overall so my uh my my letter to the community would be um that well people will get their tether back right you put tether on you we'd build a tether app uh, but at the same time what we are we internally are, are kind of working on right now is our different strategies of build to uh, hedge into to um different stable coins for even for the depositors and and usdt so um, so it's a, it, it, I think that right now, at least the, the biggest thing that we foresee in the, in the, the near future is, is our biggest concern as a, as a company. Nice. Ooh, Tether. It's been a while since Tether was dropped on the show. Usually that. I'm kind of curious, like, from, a, from like, CEO standpoint, it, it, you're, you're like, the business that you're creating makes sense. It's, it's a reasonable thing to do, especially if you have made the assumption that DeFi is going to grow drastically ad nauseum, right? It's like you're always going to be able to provide reasonable positions uh, to people who don't want to under understand the stuff relatively easily for them. Uh, yep. Where do you see the space going? And like, how do you see your business growing into that growth? Yeah, so we're... We are building essentially a bridge into DeFi, and um, you know my my, you know where I've been strong at in my career is you know under understanding where market trends are, are growing. So, um, I think um, I think DeFi and overall it's 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 in its infancy, and you know as we continue to see the development of these uh, decentralized exchanges, as well if if and when uh, Ethereum uh, continues to to scale and um, becomes a, a very functional network, and these layer twos really come into existence. I, I think that we're just going to see this this entire financial ecosystem really just emerge. Um, that's that's you know governed by smart contracts happening on, on through kind of multiple protocols. Um, so our entire intention is we 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 need to know who the the smartest people in the room are, right, and, and follow where the trends are going, and so. It's, you know, on our side, like we, we want to understand where, you know, where the market is going, you know, where to be able to deploy capital. Um, obviously, we have different lines of business that we 
we will diversify and, and get into um, if market conditions do continue to change. But but uh, what's been proven out over the last years is is kind of making money through um, just crypto overall. If that's borrowing and lending, or now this kind of new emergent kind of DeFi space, it is it has been kind of proven out over the last years, and uh, it's it's lasted through you know bull and and, and bear markets and. Um, I think that's going to continue to grow and have more and more people that can actually decide to kind of uh, put put their capital into into crypto and um, leave it there because they see this as a, a sustainable way of, of being able to handle their own their own money now and um, you know and it offers them things that simply their, their bank can't do. Hmm. Agreed. I got some money in DeFi, so I definitely agree with you. So. I love it. I think it's the new hotness. But Jesse, you you said you had a question. You want me to? So, so this is a this is an interesting <laughs> question. That oh, why are you guys laughing? Because you said you want me to ask the question. Sorry, there's a backstory, Mr. Frost. You don't don't worry about it. It's it's, a, it's we can tell question. you the backstory. It's just all right. So I don't know if you have children, um, but just imagine your child. Or somebody else's child. Please start this explanation this way. Okay. All right. There's there's pretext. There's pretext. I'm setting it up. All right. So anyway, it's career day, you know, and you know, you're you're the show and tell essentially. And how would you explain to the classroom of students, and then, um, in like you know a succinct way, maybe for them to understand, like what are the difficulties of your job? Like what is what is you know, what are the hardest things that you do? You're really watering down this question, Jesse. No, like you ask go in, go in hard. All right, why don't why don't you? Yeah, why don't you ask it the way you want to, then, Corey? Is <laughs> what you is what you do hard? Yeah. Okay. There is what I do hard. Well, um, I, I guess that's a well. From in my opinion, it is at this point, it is hard. Um, it is a you know we're in kind of an emerging field. Um, we are, you know, right now we're we're getting off a, a public launch right now and um, just handle a a very uh, volatile market and um, I guess in a, in a very uncertain kind of global time. So I mean, to me, I I never wake up and and I think a, a day is, is difficult. I, I think it is, you know, is exciting, but it, um, at the same time, it, it does kind of boil over. Um, I think the hardest thing I have as, as a CEO is. Uh, uh, dealing with with people and um, the different personalities. So to me, I think that's probably the hardest part of the job. Breach. Yeah. <laughs> He's um, the COO of a couple of companies, so like people are his are his bane. Breach. Uh, and and just one more trademark question we have. That was a trademark question of Jesse's. It's the best question in crypto. Um, Got to come is- hard, Jesse. No, I'm, I'm afraid. All right, so we asked the question to afraid. somebody else. <laughs> you want to give them the backstory? Went the whole wrong way. The backstory yeah, you can, you can give the backstory. So, why? yeah, we got. Eventually, we'll stop giving this backstory. But Jesse asked that question to someone, and she was upset that he didn't know who she was. And also, her she, job wasn't hard. So her yeah. job wasn't hard. Her job wasn't hard. So she got upset, and she was like, "That is a very rude question." And I was like. <laughs> Well, when you ask it like that, it is pretty rude. I think what he is trying to say is like, what well, makes your job hard? But now we just ask it to everyone because it is a good question. If you ask someone like, is what you do hard? And they have to sit back and think like, well, 
first off, oh, yeah, if you can't actually. answer that question, then they're probably not doing anything special. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah. It's either, either come, like, in my opinion, uh, we can continue this on a little bit of time. Like, there's, there's two ways that question can go in a good way. One is, no, what I'm doing is easy, but no one else seems to be doing it. Yeah. And I'm making money. So, fuck off. The other one is, <laughs> yes, and this is why. <laughs> it's, that's true. It really only has two answers when you break it down like that. But, if you but get upset, I think it's a great like, question. It's, I think it's, it says a lot about that individual who, who like immediately gets upset at that question. So I kind of like the confrontational aspect of it. Man. Okay. It's I a great know. question, Jesse. Be proud of the question. I, I, it's just that lady took it so so the lady posts <laughs> images of herself you know it that are revealing hilarious. and i did not know that <laughs> and so when i asked her is what you do difficult she in the context of what she does she, she thought that i knew what she did sam, yes sam, yes she was a that. thirst trap yeah, yeah she was a thirst trap so and you asked him i didn't know that thirst trap hard she said she tries hard to market herself as not a thirst trap but let's just be honest all right anyways um <clears throat> In 10 words or less, Mr. Frost, can you describe DeFi? DeFi. Oh, you did catch me off guard on this one. Um, I'm going to think this. Uh, peer to, I mean, let me, man, you, you actually did catch me off guard on this. I know, um, I know I did. You prepared for Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> we did ask me Bitcoin, and I did go and I, okay, I did put something down. So, Peer-to-peer, uh, decentralized. I don't know. That's that's not. You have to retake this one. We'll so DeFi and yeah, uh, DeFi in ten words or less. So peer-to-peer finance. Well, that's two words. It's peer-to-peer two words. So is that one well, word? if you put the hyphens in there, hyphen if you put the hyphens in there, it's still it's still clearly under ten words. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like to be honest. That's kind of like my favorite answer to that it's like what is DeFi? it's decentralized finance what do you think it is like yeah. yeah well uh did you really prepare to answer the bitcoin question well, told what it was before we started so we should oh. stop that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can't can't do that Alicia. it's a surprise question it's a it's a surprise question well um, that's a good one uh mr tim frost thank you very much for coming by the show um, is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with about how to find your app, how to find you and your team, things like that? Yeah, um, we we're, have a public launch coming um, next week, and um, you can find us at yield.app. Um, we'd love to get people to uh, come, you know, um, sign up for the platform, and uh, you know, give us give us feedback on you know what you, you know, what type of um. Uh, different coins and, and gateways that you're you're kind of looking for. Um, so we we have stable coins now. We have Bitcoin and Ether funds coming in the in the very near term, and um, we'll want to keep growing out from from there. So it's very good to be on the, the show today, guys. I had a lot of had a lot of fun, and uh, you guys are, are quite a, a group of entertaining characters. So I appreciate being on the show. <laughs> Thanks. Also, great I job securing that domain. What a great domain to have. Yeah, it's turned out to work quite well. So we got that. We got the other line, uh, yield dot finance for a kind of institutional arm that that's coming out in the near term too. Thanks, Tom. Right. Nice.
Great. Thanks, guys. And we're back. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the interview with Tim Frost. That shit was hella. That shit was hella good. I know it was because I because we did that. We did that, guys. Look at us. I'm gonna say, Jesse, you gotta go. You gotta go harder in the paint with that question. And I think you yeah. you appreciated it after I told you why you need to go harder in the paint with that question. I, I you know, I I always I I'm I'm conflicted because I feel you're right, but then I don't want backlash like the first time fuck that cares. she knows what she's doing i mean she like you know what she's doing i don't know she can That's come out right now like hey you know hey guys i, I heard you think i'm a uh, thirst trap and be like well you know after we interviewed you and looking at your consistent activity since uh we can't really argue against you being a thirst trap so but anyways jesse i protect people's feelings is what you do actually hard no, it's not. <laughs> Why? Oh, there you go. What is wait, it you wait, do? Because I think what, what you what, do is what do really I do, hard. D? You study what are we a lot. Study? What I do. You oh, study. Yeah, that is incredibly hard. Actually, it's, right. it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> it's yeah, the so hardest test up. I've ever taken. All right. Hands down. This determines my whole life, D. The podcast? Not that hard. You just hang out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The podcast is just hanging out. Yeah. So... We're gonna go into the segment. We've got a segment this week. This week's segment is is hashing it out. Now I know some of you are confused. Some of you core listeners out there, you guys, you know, hashing it out is also a show. It's Corey's show, but hashing it out is also what we do. We hash things out according to what Corey did on his show. So that's pretty much it. That's the segment. It's circular. You know, don't think too much, uh, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> what are we hashing out? Ah, uh, so this week I. Uh... I started a new thing, something I'm going to try and push uh, to continue because it's it's more along the lines of like why I like podcasting. And that is going to be like one-on-one interviews that are more about the person than the project. Uh, and, and they're not directional. I'm not, I, I don't come in to the interview with an agenda. It's just talking with that person and having a, long, like a longer form conversation to understand more about like the motivations behind why they do what they do. Uh, I, and, and every, every one of those episodes, I'll start out with a question. What do you care about? Cause I think that what people care about motivates the actions that they take, the things that they do. We ask good questions. And I think that's really important. And, and then walk like talking with them about kind of why they care about those things and what they're doing based on, based on that care. She was Definitely caught off guard because I've never asked anyone that in my life. So uh, I'm curious to see like what that series within Hashing It Out moves to. It's going to have video content and audio content, but you're not going to get it on the Bitcoin podcast anymore. You got to subscribe to Hashing It Out. Um, and it it was with a uh, it was with Taylor Monahan from My Crypto, um, someone I've always admired and been a friends been friends with for a long time because she cares so much about. Um, people making, being able to make good decisions in this ecosystem. Mm. That's so, really hard to do. I have two questions that we should hash out. One, in your line of work, how often do people think about the gravity of what they develop and how it affects people's behaviors? They don't. 
Well, that was a short that's, that's answer. A, it's a problem. Like that's part of what we talk about. That's, that's part of what we talk about, right? Is like how how you're much time road, should you spend yeah. thinking about what are the implications of this success, and what do we do now that maybe guide the implications of wealth success in the direction we think is good, which harkens back to the previous thing, like. Hope, we hope your definitions of good or right, but like it's it's a question you should at least be asking and trying to do, and a lot of people aren't, and that comes in a lot of ways um, with like a quality secure development cycle is doing early threat modeling on in the eventual in, in, the, in the eventual success of what we're doing, where does value pool, how do people access it, and what can go wrong? Is that or like what are the implications of value pooling in this way? Is that going to cause a new type of threat that we're not aware of today? Because there's all of this money someone wants to get at and there's all these different ways in which they can get at it. Do you spend a lot of time? And also like, as we make this thing, how are we letting the user know that like how to interact in the way in which we want them to? Because you set up, anytime, anytime you set up an application or a, or a blockchain protocol or whatever, you you define uh, the things that you like the ideal behavior of uh, what you're doing on that application or protocol or whatever, and that then leads to what you think are good outcomes. But if you aren't spending a lot of time thinking about that, then more often than not, the user won't use it the way you think they will, and the outcomes won't be what you think they will be. And you may not have the ability to uh, sway things in the direction you'd like to, especially in the context of decentralization, because you've already given up a majority of the power that you have to change things. I just think y'all need to just think about what you're making. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, just think about it and like how people interact with it. Like, I think that at this point, like, the internet and software development is mature enough that tiny behavior changes affect people's thought processes for many, many years to come. Right. I'll tell you one thing that happens in my life personally. Um, I wear many hats with what I do in a day, but since I seem to be the most computer savvy person in the building, I had to build the, the architecture for people's login credentials and, and issuing it and what, how passwords are composed and, and things like that, just to initiate and get all that shit set up. And I have like a swath, an entire over over fifty percent of my team that cannot figure out how to log into softwares on a weekly basis, and it's blowing my mind. It's like, did you miss AOL? Did you miss Netscape? AOL, Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo, Facebook? You miss all this shit? <laughs> you don't know how to log in? You don't know what a fucking username is? What the fuck? Like they're like. Oh, I don't know my password. I'm like, how the fuck is this a thing? How do you not know this shit? This Let is me like ask 40, you. 40 years. Let me ask you something. Behaviors. What's up? Do do as much as you are frustrated, do you feel a sense of control and power over the fact that it's not somebody else dictating a shittier way? to do things you actually get to 
tell them how you do things. It's like, let me show you how I put on my shoe versus the way you put on your shoe. And you, you most people have like a, an implicit bias towards the way they do things. Right. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, in the, in the heat of the moment, you look at things like, man, this is like a lot of work because all these people don't know what the fuck they're doing. But then if you think about it, right, you, that means that you're actually getting the privilege to make them do things the way you do things versus you having to change the way you do things uh, to conform to somebody else's. But this isn't, I would say yes. And you, you almost, you know, you almost hit a sweet spot, but at, but I'm talking about the literal behavior of like username, password relationship. That yeah, is not new. That's not new to humanity, bro. That's not new. This is like 40 <laughs> fucking 50 years I'm now. I'm not changing yeah. anything. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Where like you go to the bank and they're like, "Hey, here's your banking login information." You don't forget that shit. You don't. Yeah. Right. You'd be so surprised. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, I have a funny story about that shit. I set Let's up, do that. Let's do that and wrap it up because I gotta go. I set up Sorry. a password Sorry, manager. I set up a password manager for someone really close to me that I love, and they've resorted to recovering the password to the password manager to get their passwords. People. I can't. I, Hold on. What? There's no hope, bro. They have resorted now to using password recovery on the password manager. I was like, all you have to do is remember one password and then all your other passwords, stick them in here. They're going to get managed. You need a new password, generate it, save it in here. It's going to get managed. You're good to go. That same person is now texted me and asked me, hey, what do I do if I forget my password to my password manager? So my what I said to that person was Give use up. password pe, use password recovery and do that from now on. I'm not I'm not helping you any further. Like <laughs> I can't me. help you any further. Like it's over for you. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But anyways, all I said I, I say all that, Corey, to say and to developers listening that. Take a look. I know you want to make cool shit and then show it off to your colleagues and then show it off to your friends and then release it in the wild and see what the internet has to say about it. Think about the behaviors people are doing when they're using your stuff. Like literal, like small stuff. Like, do they have to circle their mouse to activate a page? Or do they have to go to a certain section of your web page to click on something? Like, like those things have unforeseeable effects on, on human behavior. And, we should bring and up some UX designers hire, on. Hire a, hire a, yeah, exactly. I was just, just about to say that. Like, so, so this is what D means. Hire a UX designer and hire a psychologist, like a PhD yeah. psychologist. Yeah, do both and of those things. That. Yeah, yeah, with your startup, do that. That's yeah. really easy. Yeah. Yeah. Do those two things. <laughs> they're and, they're yeah. everywhere and cheap. Yeah. Hold <laughs> up. Uh, the speaking of which, this episode is brought to you by Indeed.com. If you're looking to hire a psychologist <laughs> or a UX designer. You're going to want to go to Indeed.com. Can we get in and, trouble uh, for that? I don't think we can. I, no, we can't get in trouble for that. If anything, Indeed will be like, thanks for the free, free marketing. shit. <laughs> oh, thanks. Anyways. Uh, now, you know, if you are looking to sponsor a podcast that has a very vibrant uh, set of core listeners and a very active community and takes time to look into the projects that we suggest, uh, you could do that here on the Bitcoin podcast. I mean, uh, we love sponsors. Uh, if what just we just talked about doesn't convince you that we care, then nothing will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you know, you, you know, you got a project you want to sponsor. You want people to know about your project. You can hit us up. We'll sponsor it. You know, oh, sorry, you could sponsor us, and we'll talk about your project. 
Uh, we've done it in the past. It's went well. If you hit us up, only if it doesn't well. suck. Huh? It's only if it doesn't suck. Yeah, yeah. If it sucks and it's shitty, we will tell you. Hold up. What do we say now? We say after looking into your project, we don't think it's it'll align well with the Bitcoin. This isn't a good fit for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's our it's a nice way of saying you suck. Do better. Uh, so, anyways, uh, you know, if you hung in this long, uh, you know, you know, you should be a patron. Why not? If you go to if you go to patreon.com slash uh, the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Uh, it'll take you to our, pa- our our page, and you could be a patron, and you get access to to lots of things. You know, read it all. You know, go there and become a patron, and uh, it will make it worth your time. We will, we we fucking will do that. Uh, you can go to the bitcoinpodcast.com, sign up for the Slack. If you're new to the Slack, it comes at you like a million miles an hour, but don't worry, it's just regular people in there having very uh very great conversations at depth and breath about all things crypto right now the things that are kind of steamrolling conversations seem to be decentralized finance avalanche and other random decentralized finance tidbits so if DeFi is your thing and it really gets you uh, gets your pants tight then uh you should join the slack and talk about DeFi with us um what else uh, if you haven't seen, we do video, right? Like we got some video out there. We're trickling it in, right? So if you go to if you go to the Schmoo Tube, go to YouTube, uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, hold up, I get to fucking. I've been practicing this shit all week. All right, go ahead and ding <laughs> the bell. You know, click, click and subscribe. You know, ding the bell, and uh, you could go into your notification settings, and maybe when we release a new video, it'll pop up, and you'll be like, uh, oh shit. I like them. I'm going to watch this video. That's what we need for you to do. Um, and then also, we're going to get better at this. Uh, <laughs> if you click right here, it'll take you to the website. <laughs> I think the other way. It's he, probably all different. I love it when people These are the that. bottom oh, yeah. left of my screen. So. Oh, I'm that's true. Never mind. If you, if, you click, if you click in the box, it'll take you to the website. I don't even know how people do that because I barely know how to use YouTube, but... Hopefully we can figure it but out. We, so we click really should. and go to the website. <laughs> <laughs> it was implied, Corey. You didn't even I'm have just, to say. I'm it. just trying she to let people know like, how much work Alicia does and how much how, how how much of a she shitty job a we give her work. to work with. This motherfucker, is, her and Daniel are like this motherfucker. D just randomly throws shit out, randomly. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Click here. Go to the website. Uh, you know, shout out to um, Alicia and Daniel. Uh, you know, shout out to Andy as well. Um, if you don't know Andy, you should by joining the Slack. Uh, it'll benefit your life. I promise you that. Um, shout out to Alex Holly. Shout out to Georgia Curtis. Shout out to uh, what's her name? Jesse. The girl that plays basketball players. Stern look. I don't know. Harvey. I don't know. Harvey. That is. Oh, okay. Shout out to Michelle Obama. Play the outro. <laughs>